Jesus stuff, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. But I really, my heartbeat is that we do it in the community and that we grow together. And so that's really the heartbeat of my ministry. And so I just want to share just a little bit. We, um, we started doing an online ministry during COVID <clears throat> and selfishly actually started the ministry so that I could stay sharp in the prophetic uh, while I had to stay home in California. And so, uh, but we started, you know, we just went online. We said, hey, we're going to do a workshop. We'll prophesy over people. And I had some of my leaders, and, and uh, a bunch of people showed up, and they kept showing up, and it evolved into invitations to travel around the nation and minister. And so here we are. You're part of the product of that online just ministry that we started. So it's been a blessing. I'm also the uh, director, one of the directors of the School of Supernatural Ministry, uh, in Pasadena, California, which like sounds like Hogwarts for Jesus, and uh, at times it has that vibe, you know. <laughs> we are big into experimenting and growing and giving freedom to just grow in, in Christ and, and mess up and sometimes not do it right and do it well in a community and be loved all the way through it. And so if that's something that would interest you, whether that's workshops, we offer those for free uh, for anybody on a Sunday night. It would be 9 p.m. your time. Go 9 to 11 on a Sunday night. Uh, that, if you want to sign up, it's at practicalsupernatural.com. That's our website. Or if you wanted to maybe do an online year with us, we have a three-year program with the School of Supernatural. That's also online, and I would be one of your teachers. I am the, like the uh, supernatural mechanic. I will help you tease out the gifting of God in your life and make you be uh, a good steward of it. So that would be my job. So you know, we'll put that out there to you. Uh, if you're interested in the school, it's SoCalSSM.com. So you can Google that and check that out. But uh, with no further ado, let's get into the Word of God today and uh, just open with prayer. Father, we just thank you for being here. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would uh, move in our midst in power, that you would demonstrate your kind affections towards us. And Lord, that you would just let us be aware of your nearness and that when we walk through the fiery trials, we go through difficulty, Lord, you're with us. You comfort us in in that path. I ask that you'd speak to us today. Would you show up and even in our midst bring healing, demonstrate your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now I want to start with a scripture. It's a, not a James. It's a James 1, 2, appropriate. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Now that is not like the most, you know, most faith people with healing are not going to go to that scripture and be like, sometimes you go through hard things. <laughs> but the fact is, if we're being real, we do go through hard things. You as a community have experienced something very hard this week. You've had someone pass away. Does anyone believe for Tony's healing and pray for the, this person to be healed? Maybe you even felt like God was going to do a miracle and, and you didn't see it in the way that you thought that you'd like to see it. And, uh, and part of being a faith-filled person is walking through trials like you walked through and coming out the other side, being steadfast. 
Because one of the things, you, you meet a lot of Christians who are, have a lot of hype. And they, you know, they, they try to wow us and get us excited. But I think what's most important to Jesus is that we begin in love with him and we end in love with him. And we're steadfast all the way through. And I want, if I could impart anything, it would be a steadfast spirit. That no matter what you go through, that you love him. That even when you're in a difficult season, you can say, God, this is hard and be real with that. But say, I love you through that. And so I would like to just share, you know, Paul says, I shared my very life with you. I would, I've actually been through some fiery trials myself that have been referenced this week, and I just want to share that testimony with you so that you'd be encouraged because, you know, I love the Bible, and I think I'm a reasonably decent teacher of the scriptures, and especially on the supernatural. I love that stuff. But perhaps the best thing I've ever been able to impart is for, to help navigate people through difficult situations, things that, that destroy a lot of Christians, where people actually fall off they're off the, off the train, off the Jesus train because of the difficulty they've been through. So I'm just going to share just from my heart. And know this, you ne- if you ever come up to me with a question about what I've walked through, and you, you never have to say, hey, man, I'm really sorry uh, that I have to ask this or this is in my mind. I'm sorry for what you went through. I'm not sorry. I, there's a sadness. There's grief that we live with as humans. But you never have to apologize for a question. You can ask me anything. I'll be as, as honest and real as I can be. I don't know everything, but I do know some things about grief. Early in the, in the year 2000, I met this amazing woman named Jill Langton, who was like a spiritual beast. Like, she was so awesome. She, she is awesome. She lives with Christ. But she was just someone that I really looked up to. She'd been doing YWAM. She was a DTS school leader. And I had recently really given my life to Christ, been sincere about my faith. I mean, I'd grown up in church, but I'd really converted and given my life to Jesus. And and uh, missions had been born in my heart, and so I just began to spend time with her, and I wanted to, to know, like, what does it mean to be on the field, and what does it look like to share the gospel with a village that's never heard about Jesus, and, and to hear some of the testimonies of crazy, like, biblical-level healings of, you know, people who were completely out of their mind being said right and completely healed, and just dramatic healings, even like a crippled guy had a withered arm in this village in the Philippines. His arm, like, grows out in his house. Like, they pray for him, the crazy, like, you know, the stuff that you'd like. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by this stuff, right? And so she just begins to pour into me. Then soon enough, we catch feelings for each other. And uh, we date on and off long distance. And eventually we get married. And our heartbeat had been to, uh, to do missions. And so our, our pastor at Clark Fork City Church said, will you serve as the college pastors for two years? And then we'll send you out, of our, out from our church. And so we did that. And, uh, you know... As we were preparing for the mission field about, I'd say, four or five months before, remember she woke up in the night with this strange pressure in her chest, and she then developed this kind of strange cough, okay? And like any, like, normal, reasonable people, we went to the doctor, we checked it out. There was nothing to be concerned of. It was kind of a strange little cough. So then, fast forward, I think it was uh, late August, September of 2004, sold all my worldly possessions, which amounted to about $15,000 of liquid capital. I was a young man. Which to me was a lot of money, you know. Moved myself to Thailand with my wife, and we just hit the ground running, you know. I started mentoring people, learning the language the best we can. And uh, we were there for about four weeks until one day my wife just couldn't get out of bed. And uh, she said, I think something's wrong with me. And so we took her to this hospital in northern Thailand, and 
uh, we did this uh, x-ray, and on her chest where her lung would be, you, there was this giant white spot, uh, which was a, a growth. So we did a CAT scan. It was a, a tumor in her chest cavity. And that's actually had been the cause of the cough, was this, the pressure of this growth in her chest. And uh, to say I was alarmed would be an understatement. I'm 25. I am freaking out. Like, I don't know if you've ever been so stressed, you just cannot think straight. Like, you don't know the right decision. You, don't, you would rather have someone just boss you around and tell you what to do. Like, that's what I needed. <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. We're in the hospital. They say, you got to go home immediately. I had moved everything to Thailand. We, I left with, like, a suitcase of two clothes, came back to the States immediately. We hit the ground. I think it was a Thursday. We start chemotherapy on Monday. And she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is actually a really curable form of cancer. Uh, as far as cancer goes, 90% success rate uh, for remission. So we're like, well, it's, I mean, if you got to have cancer, that's probably the one to go for. So, so in that sense, it was like, all right. So she did, uh, started chemotherapy right away, lost all her hair, did all, you know, kind of go through that stuff. And I'm, again, I'm 25. I don't know anything about this, really. And uh, she loses all her hair. We do treatment for a year, did radiation. Uh, you know, the tumor seemed to shrink really rapidly. Everything was good. And uh, then we moved back to Thailand. And I entered into a season, like, that I dreamed about in my life. I mean, I, the things I had imagined I would see, I began to see. I remember laying hands. We had this thing called Suk Asajan, which means Miracle Friday in Thai. And uh, all these people from around the village where we lived would just start to come. It was just like, you need healing. And they would show up. And we would pray for them. We'd share the gospel. And Remember the first night, <clears throat> you know, usually when you start a meeting, you get like the grandmas come first, right? They're the only ones that are going to show up. So I get all the grandmas from the village are showing up because they're all sick, <laughs> you know? And they don't know, they're Buddhists. They do not know anything about Jesus at all. So we share about Jesus. Jesus is the healer. He loves you very much. And I remember there are four grandmas standing in, in a line. And I am not like the most hyper, but I'm spiritual, but I'm not like... Like, those people are like, whoa, like, oh, like that's just not me, necessarily. <sighs> there it is. Come back. Thank you, Lord. He's like, pause, James. All right. So, <laughs> I went up, I literally was about to go up to this granny. Like, I put my hand on her to say, oh, what's your name and how can I pray for you? Well, I touched this lady, and they all four in a line start, like, going, like, shaking, and they fall down, and they're, like, rolling on the ground. And I was like, what the world? <laughs> I was like, are you okay? <laughs> they all get up completely healed of the ailment that they came for. No one prayed for them, just wham. And I was like, go God. <laughs> Amen. And then uh, I was 26. This, uh, this lady came. She heard that there had been healing. Her brother had been, come, had been coming to our meetings, and she was deaf in her, her uh, I think it was her left ear. She came, and uh, I'd never seen someone heal the deafness in my life. So I, you know, I'm just the minister, so I'm faking it like I believe that, like, I'm being honest with you. I did not believe that God would heal her deaf ear. I just was doing it because it's my job. So she's there. I just say, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. We're going to pray for your healing uh, of deafness, and uh, we're just going to trust God because the Bible says by his stripes you're healed. Amen. But again, very little faith. I put my hand on her. She didn't fall down. I took my hand off. I was like, well, how's your ear? She's like, I can hear now. I was like, What? <laughs> I grabbed her brother. I was like, is she really deaf? He's like, born deaf in that ear. I was like, she really can hear. <laughs> it works. 
and uh, ended up taking over some villages uh, just to, to manage the churches there. Six tribal villages, and I got to travel all around in the jungles and hike deep into, like, into the jungle, into, like, in between Burma and northern Thailand, and, and do like, all sorts of projects and preach the gospel. And I hope you like miracle stories, because, I mean, for me, I love, I love the Bible, but when you hear like, about the Bible in your day and what God has done, it is so awesome. So on December 18th, 2006, I go to this village called Hoytatop, and my job is to preach the Christmas service, okay? So it's like, it's just going to be a Christmas service, like Jesus loves you, he came in a manger, you know, go God, let's eat some food. <laughs> you know, like that's what I'm thinking. But as I'm walking into this village, it's a three-hour hike in this mountain, I have this like stomach pain, like it feels like indigestion, sort of, but not really. It's kind of weird, hard to explain. But I keep going like, oh, <laughs> like I'm like walking, and I'd be like, mm. <laughs> mm. and I'm like groaning, like oh, and uh, and I didn't put it together. This might be a spiritual thing, like Paul talks about, we we groans of intercession, unutterable phrases, right? So I'm like, mm. and like before the service, I keep groaning. And so then it's an open of the service. I'm like, hey, Jesus just loves you guys so much. And praise God for Christmas. And thank you, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts shaking. Like 60 people in this church in the middle of absolutely nowhere. They don't know TBN. They don't know Fall Down. They just go like, and they're like laughing and shaking and crying. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was like, what is this? And they're like full of joy. And then rolling around and crying and like, what is going on? I look at my translator, I was like, what is this? He's like, Holy Spirit, I don't know. Like this little kid's rolling on the ground. I was like, this kid's got a demon. I'm casting it out of him. So I was like, Tonkum, ask this kid if what he feels is good or bad. Kid's like, the kid says, he's crying. He's like, I'm loved. I'm so loved by God. I've never felt so much love in my life. And he's like, so overcome by God's goodness for him. I was like, this Jesus stuff is amazing. <laughs> and the whole village ended up getting born again, like fully to Jesus. So fun stuff like that, right? All the witch doctors I worked with end up giving, getting converted, you know, after they tried to curse me and I got sick and then got to press through and they end up getting born again, help burn their altars with them and stuff. So, I mean, like the gospel. So it's working. Well, uh, we have our son out there in Thailand in 2007. Shortly thereafter, we have to do a, a two-year checkup for my wife and lo and behold, the cancer had come back. And uh, so that was like, God, here we are doing this awesome stuff. And then this makes zero sense to me, right? Like, how can this be the same life, right? I've seen you do all this awesome stuff. We've seen tumors be healed. And yet, here we are again in the same situation. So we packed up our stuff. We came back to America. I started working at a, um, a nonprofit and uh, just doing my best to just do that. And so... My wife actually prayed this time that, and she felt like she wasn't supposed to do treatment, but to do a natural route. And so that, that's a hard decision. I mean, that is a very personal decision. I mean, as a husband, I'm thinking like, honey, just get the chemo, like do it, or get the stem cell transplant, whatever it is. But she just felt like, no, I'm, we've seen God be the healer. I'm not doing, I'm not going to live my life afraid of the next scan. I'm not going to do treatment. I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to do the, the natural route. And I was like, okay, we're, I'm going to believe with you. That was a hard decision, hard decision. And so we just enter into a season of just believing God and praying. And I prayed about one thing for years, just, Lord, would you heal my wife? And contending in prayer and really believing God. And 
I'm trying to be a dad. I've got a newborn. I've got my wife who is sick, and I've got this job I keep, I'm trying to do, and this is like too much pressure. And so my, my year performance review comes up, and they're like, you're fired. <laughs> Which, if you live in a double wide in Lolo, Montana, and you got to go home and tell your wife who has cancer that you got fired, it was like the worst day of my life. Honestly, I just felt like, does it get lower than this? Because it's pretty bad. And I'm <clears throat> sitting outside my house, like, meditating on how I'm going to break the news to my wife. I'm just, I don't want to go inside because I'm, I'm just, I'm bummed. I'm like, I can't, I've never been so sad in my life. The thing is, I'm a good worker. Like, I do my best, but I just didn't have enough capacity to get the job done. And so I'm out there like, Holy Spirit, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to say this? And uh, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to start a ministry. And I was like, God, that is such a bad idea. That is like, this is a doozy of a terrible idea. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, like, what's this ministry? I want you to teach people to do power evangelism. I was like, Lord, that is the worst idea of all time. First of all, there's no one's going to come to this ministry because no one likes that. Like, I'm like the weird sore thumb of Missoula sticking out. That love, I'm the only guy that feels like loves this stuff. I was like, okay, here's my fleece. If you provide, I did the math, $13,000, I can at least do, you know, some sort of financial ramp up, and I'll know that that's you, that I'm not just making this crazy idea up in my head. And so uh, the next week, I meet with my friend over some Thai food, and we're chatting, and he's like, hey, man, I was in the shower, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, to give you $15,000. <laughs> he handed me a check. And I was like, whoa. All right, Jesus. And then I threw a little support letter out there. And I, you know, I, had, I think I raised maybe a little over $20,000. And I was like, okay, this is God. And just started meeting on Thursday nights in Missoula, going out to Walmart or wherever, and just trying to get words of knowledge to share the gospel with the power. Okay. And you know, I had like 11 people show up. It wasn't some huge amount of folks. But just being faithful, <clears throat> I would literally, just to tell you, my human process would be at home with my wife. And she's like so sick, so skinny. I've never seen someone be so skinny and still breathe air. And, uh, you know, I'm like literally like change my son's diaper. I'll change my wife's diaper. I will go preach the gospel. And I did that over and over. And I would feel so bad for myself. <laughs> I feel such a pity party for me. But then I get that first miracle of the night, first healing, and I'd be like, Jesus is real. And I'd see that next person receive a word of knowledge, get born again, God's real. And then I'd go back to my situation and kind of do it all over again, just this kind of back and forth, like I'm committed to you, Jesus, but this is really hard to see. And it feels really unfair because I feel like I'm the most sold out person for you. Like I don't know... I feel like I'm doing the best I can, and yet you won't hear me in this situation. I can't get breakthrough. I'm sending my wife to Lakeland, Florida to get prayed for by Bill Johnson. Like, I, I'm doing everything I know to do, and it is not working. And uh, <clears throat> my wife was late October. Jill was very sick. She had bulky um, Hodgkin's, which the tumors get quite large, and so as she got skinny, though, just deformed her body in such a way that was so just horrible to see someone suffer and to be that close i don't know if you've been with someone a lot of people you lose your friends <clears throat> people just stop coming around because it's too hard to see and uh, you're just sort of there like i can't escape because I'm, I'm be loyal to my vows i'm gonna do it i can't escape it but it's just really hard to watch someone you love suffer 
it's probably hard to watch Tony suffer and to be there and to show up and just see, see just death take its course. It's so painful to watch. And it was just in my face, and yet I'm, I have the responsibility to minister. And uh, it was October 27th of 20, uh, 2009. And we had a, uh, just a regular Thursday night service at the University of Montana. And uh, I was mentoring this young man named TJ Fink. And he had a girlfriend named May Aiello, okay? And she was at IHOP University, which is an international house of prayer in Kansas City. She was a student there. And she just came to visit her boyfriend and happened to come to the service. And so uh, she comes up. Actually, we're doing like a time of prayer impartation at the end. And uh, she comes up, and I look at her, and I just have this impression that she's got something going on with her stomach. Now, I'm going to tell you kind of a, it's a little bit graphic of a story. But I can tell you it's all public knowledge. It's online, okay? So I'm not like putting it on blast. Uh, she comes up, she says, I say, you got something going on with your stomach. What is it? She says, well, I, I used to be anorexic and bulimic, and I've actually damaged my stomach uh, just from the abuse of my digestive system, and uh, I actually can't eat more than a handful of food without vomiting. I was like, okay. You know, the word of knowledge is accurate. I've seen so many people healed, and so I pray, and uh, she doesn't get healed. She goes to Denny's, eats some chicken wings, and throws up, and I was like, Holy Spirit, that did not work at all. <laughs> like, what's going on? And so that was a Thursday. Well, then um, on Saturday, we had a citywide healing meeting, and she came to that. And uh, it had just been in my mind. I'm like thinking, like, Holy Spirit, well, why aren't we getting breakthrough on this? And what's going on? And uh, the Holy Spirit says she struggles with self-hatred. And, uh, and so I just grabbed her after the service. I was like, May, you know, I could be completely wrong here, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I just felt like you struggle with self-hatred. And she starts to cry. She says, actually, the reason I became anorexic and bulimic is because I'd uh, kind of walked away from the Lord as a teenager, and I was at a party, and I was in a really compromising position with this man, and he actually tried to rape me. And my friends, I was like screaming for my friends. They broke down the door, and I just began to hate myself from that moment because I felt so compromised. I'd compromised my Christian values. I compromised what my parents had taught me. I compromised my dignity, and I just hate myself for that. And I said, uh, May, Jesus just loves you. He wants you well. I led her in a prayer of forgiveness and repentance and deliverance. And like she goes down under the power of God, just wham. And she starts laughing, like rolling around laughing. She gets up completely healed, just like laughing her head off. Like so much laughing, everyone's kind of looking like, what is wrong? You know, like you get those like, hmm, this is weird. She's just full of joy. She goes back on November 3rd to IHOP University and shares her testimony, and spontaneously, all these people in the congregation start to get delivered of self-hatred. So deaf ears open up. People spontaneously start to get healed and set free. And it began what was called the IHOP University Student Awakening of 2009, which ran for 10 months of consecutive protracted meetings, 5,000 documented healings, 1,800 salvations, went viral on campuses all over the country of people, of college students preaching the gospel, and with signs and wonders and the power of God. And here I am, like, watching the live stream, taking care of my wife, like, thank you, Jesus. And I would, I would so wish I could be there. Like, my heart would be like, get me down there. I want to be there. But, you know, I'm faithful. I'm taking care of my wife, and I'm running the ministry. But I would watch the live stream, and people would testify, I'm healed. I got, this one guy got out of a wheelchair, and he's, like, running around. And the Holy Spirit would say, I'm crediting that one to your account. I'm crediting that one to your account. And I was like, ah, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of something in the midst of such a trial. 
you're turning something into beauty. And so about two months after that, my wife passed away. And we had an amazing memorial service. And people came from all over, from YWAM, and they just shared about Jill's amazing life and how they'd impact. There's people in this room that had been mentored by my wife who were so impacted by her, her straightforward, loving approach of discipleship. I mean, we, you need somebody in your life. I mean, you need somebody to love you and be like, hold your hand when you're messing up. But you also need someone to tell you the truth. Like, listen, you're better than this. You can do better than this. Jesus loves you. Shape up. And that's who my wife was. And like, she was that for me. She was that for many people in their lives. And uh, just made such an impact. And I would not be the person I am without Jill Langton's discipleship in my life. In YWAM, they have this thing called plumb line, which is like your inner healing. I got a seven-year plumb line with the most awesome woman <laughs> who taught me how to love Jesus and be faithful till the end. And so she passed away. We did a memorial service. Then we did a healing service right after that. And we just, we just stuck with it. And I remember as I was invited down to go teach at IHOP University, and I met with Mike Bickle, and I'm sitting with Mike Bickle, Misty Edward, Wes Hall, Corey Russell. I'm sitting with all these people that are like, whoa, this is, I've never dreamed in a million years I would be having this conversation. And they're like, tell us your story. And I tell the story I'm telling you. And Misty Edwards looks at me and says, I cannot believe you still believe in Jesus. And I was like, listen, I have seen God open the ears of the deaf. I have seen the blind see. I have seen open sores close. I have seen Jesus do the Jesus. I've cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And if I were to look at my situation and say that God's not real, I would be doing that because I'm personally offended, not based on the evidence of the gospel. Okay? And so don't let personal offense keep you from what you know to be true. Personal offense, if you start filtering your theology through Tony's experience, you're going to end up messed up. But if you allow the word of God to make you pursue what's true, what you know to be true, in spite of the difficulty you walk through with Tony, you will begin to have perpetual multiplied breakthrough. I promise you, the breakthrough in the miraculous, the breakthrough in the supernatural that this church is called to walk in is on the other side of this disappointment you walk through. Okay? And in faithfulness, you will be steadfast and you will lack nothing. Okay? I really, I'm, I'm telling you, it is the most true thing. You must be faithful in your sorrow. You must continue to pray for the sick and still carry the human grief. It is okay to do that. It is okay to be sad. And it's okay to not understand. And it's okay to let God use you to prophesy at the same time. It's okay to do that. You have permission to be supernatural and be human at the same time. And it's really good that you do that because <clears throat> we don't want to be a church that just says, we're fake. Like, God's just great, and he's just so awesome, and I'm never sad. No, sometimes we're sad. It's okay to be sad, and it's okay to be obedient in your sadness, and it's beautiful to do that. And I'm going to be really raw with you. I didn't, <clears throat> theologically, I can get around my wife's death. I can rejoice in the good things he's done, but I did carry a sadness with me for many years, <clears throat> many, many years. And I, because I would go like, God, I'm faithful to you. I love you so much. Like, I really, I do love you. But I'm having a hard time understanding why you wouldn't just hear me. Like, I would trade the awakening from just to have my wife back. Like, I would. I, w I just want, I want it to be normal. And now I have the most abnormal life. Like, I'm carrying such grief, Lord. 
And I was, I think I listened to a sermon by Bob Sorge, who's an incredible man of God. And I finished the sermon. I'm just so touched. And I'm going to try and say this without crying. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, it's really, it's real. The Holy Spirit said to me, James, Jill didn't die January 2011, 2010. She died the day she gave her life to me. And you died the day you gave your life to me. you can trust me with how I spend your life. You can trust him with how he spends your life. Because he's telling the story of Jesus through your life, through your willingness to embrace suffering, difficulty, and love him through it. So let's not deny that losing Tony's heart. But let his testimony of his faithfulness be something that resounds for the glory of who Jesus is in your faithfulness to be steadfast through it. Okay? And let, and I really want to encourage you, let pursue the supernatural. Because I, honestly, I wouldn't have made it through had I not seen some of the things I've seen. It would have been so easy to just walk away. But I can't deny what I've seen and what I've heard. That God is good. And he's real. And he does amazing things. But I don't have to understand absolutely everything to trust in his goodness. And there's things you just plain old will not understand. But I do know that he's good. And it's the will of God to heal you because he's not raising a sick body at the end of days. He's raising a body that will live forever. Will be just like him. So I know it's his will to heal you. If we don't receive it now, though we pursue it with our full heart, our wholeheartedness, when he comes again, we'll be whole. And we have that hope. and We can trust his goodness. But I'm, I'm believing more and more. And as I believe and pray for more sick, we see more cancer healed. We were in Roanoke, Virginia. And we prayed for a man who had been paralyzed from a drunk driving accident. He was, he was drunk and he crashed and he paralyzed himself. We pray for him. He starts to get feeling in his legs. His legs actually start to move. He says, he grabs the microphone. He says, this is amazing, but would you pray for my cousin who has cancer? He's been diagnosed with liver cancer, stage four. He's going to die. He's only 15. We just begin to declare in the name of Jesus. We speak healing over this young man. We get the report. Not 10 days later, he goes for the scan. No cancer. Completely healed. Right? Praise God. I mean, I've literally laid my hands on tumors and had them disappear under my hand. I can't deny that happens. I wish it happened absolutely every time. It doesn't. It does happen, though. And i got to celebrate what God is doing because the more we celebrate it, the more we see it. Okay? So it, is this helpful to you? I hope this is helpful to you. Ardently pursue Jesus with your full heart. And when you're disappointed, stay steadfast. Keep doing it because you will get breakthrough. And God cannot say no to a faithful person like you who's got grit in their spirit to hang on, and you will see it. Amen? And so I just love to pray. I, I feel like this is touching hearts for people that you're just saying, you know, 
I've been through some stuff. Maybe you've been through difficulty in your childhood, things that are just hard to get over. Maybe you're struggling with sickness now. Now is a great day to just give those things to Jesus and say, Lord, tell your story through my life. I don't have to understand it, but I'm going to lay down any offense I have to just say, you're good. And what is my life in regards to who you are? Live your life through me. Let me testify of your goodness. And if you, that's you, I just want to pray with you. And if, if what I've said, you're like, James, this is the craziest thing. I've been so mad at God. I'd love to just lead you in a prayer, rededication. Of a moment, just say, Lord, I'm ready to re-up because I want to pursue you. I want to know your love like that. So we'll pray here in a minute for that. Or if you need healing in your body, man, I'm here to believe for you. If you're going through something hard, <clears throat> listen, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're missing something, you need, you need healing. It doesn't matter how bad it is. That is irrelevant. Jesus is the healer. He made everything. He can restore your body. He can restore what the enemy's stolen. Now, I just want to end with Psalm 103, which is my wife's favorite scripture, one of her most favorite ones. And I do want to let you know, I got remarried to an amazing woman named Hannah. <laughs> we have three children, and my, my white boy, William, is 15 years old now. God has redeemed my life. It is not all tragedy. It had been some difficulty for sure. But Psalm 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. <clears throat> Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Bless the Lord who redeems your life from the pit. Sometimes, in order to bless him, you needed to be in a pit, and you didn't understand, why'd you put me in a pit, God? I thought you're good. Don't you love me? I'm in a pit. And he says, listen, I've put you in a pit to reveal my goodness to you. Now bless me, and I'm going to pull you out of it. I believe God's pulling you out of a pit today. All right? So I'm not a big altar call guy. I'm not going to make you bow your head and raise your hand. I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you're sincere in your heart, pray it with me to rededicate your life to Jesus. Or if you've never given your life to Christ, pray it, pray it with me. It's a simple thing. We put our faith and trust in Jesus. He's come to take away... It was just a simple gospel. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us, me included, we messed up. And yet Jesus Christ came to remove the separation that we have from God because of our own wickedness. He gave Jesus. He gave him as a sacrifice that you would receive God's goodness and his righteousness and his sacrifice erases all wrong done you've, you have done in the past in the sight of God. And you're made justified, which means you're righteous in God's sight. That at the cross, Jesus shed his blood for you, gave his life that you would take on his life and his nature, and he receives your wickedness and sinfulness. That's literally why Jesus came for you, so that you, through that, could have relationship with him by the person of the Holy Spirit. That is the simplicity of the gospel, okay? Now pray this with me if, if what I'm saying makes sense to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I don't understand everything I've walked through, but I do understand that you are good. With the amount of faith that I have right now, I put that faith in you. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, restore any wrongdoing that I've done, heal my heart, and receive me as your son. In Jesus' name.
God bless you guys. I'm going to be here. We know we've got a service and another one here coming right up. But I'm here to pray with you, to bless you. And uh, I just hope that you're encouraged and let you know how much Jesus cares for you. Okay? God bless. Praise the Lord. Thank you, James, so much for opening up your heart, bringing the word.